When the world has got you down Alzheimer's sucks. It's an equal opportunity disease that chips away at everything we hold dear. And to date, there's no cure. So until there is, we continue to fight with the most powerful tool in our arsenal, love. This is Love Conquers Alls, a real and really positive podcast that takes a deep dive into everything Alzheimer's, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And now, here's your hosts, Susie Singer-Carter and Cassie Cruz. Hello, I'm Susie Singer-Carter. And I'm Cassie Cruz, and welcome to Love Conquers Alls. Cassie, how you doing? Hey, I'm, I'm good, but I, got, I just got to tell you, I, I actually only went shopping this morning. It was a six-hour ordeal. No, it is. It's a six-hour <laughs> deal. I don't, first it of all, I, don't have, I can't do it, so I have to have someone else do it for us. And, and, and certainly I couldn't even like, I couldn't let somebody else go do it because then I'd be like, well, what did they touch? And I got to touch this. And what, you know, because basically once you get there and you're out there and you're doing the thing, I'm all like all armored up, you know, with yeah, everything yeah, yeah. hooded and, and, and then like when I get home, then, then it's a whole ordeal, you know, every single piece. I, I leave the bag outside. I bring it in. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. well, you're good. You're good. I don't know. Actually, I make so many mistakes. I'd be like, oh, if there was COVID-19 around, I'm sure I brought it in somewhere. You know what I mean? Because like, oh no, I touched it. Oh my God. It, okay. But other than that, all is well. <laughs> all is well. We're doing this show. We're here. We're connecting. We, are. we have a great story that's going to be coming up, which oh. is really nice. And you know, one of those, one of the silver, the silver linings of a cloud, and that's always nice. It really and is, and we you know, like that. We we love that, and mm-hmm. really, I think that this is um, what our podcast is is really about. It's about how do we love? What does love look like? How do we face something that is such an adversary? You know, just really like it's it's it's. We're, we're facing adversity, yeah. you know, the caregivers face adversity every day. And how do you show up in that? And how do you love during that? Time? Right. What does that, how, how do you describe it? It's a, it's the way that you describe it and the way that, you know, if the, it's the way we, the words that we use make a difference and how we look at something. And I, that's what I learned. And I'm, th- you know, I think anybody that goes through a journey like this, if you, you know, if you don't come out learning how to, you know, have a new normal, then you haven't, you haven't gotten the gift of the journey. Well, you know, you know, I love that that's what you said, because that's exactly, we're doing something a little bit different today, um, because we're actually going to listen to an incredible woman's love story. Mm-hmm. And I just really, we just really thought that this would be just a really nice opportunity to just really talk about the journey with someone that has went through it and and there will be a beginning and a middle and an end and and we're all going to understand that that end is going to incorporate somebody that has dementia and and alzheimer's and what that looks like and how to address that um so we have two guests today beautiful I, I know i'm going to introduce um serena vincent first she is an actor and an author best known for films uh, cabin fever and not another teen movie and television um, uh, shows such as Power Rangers and Disney's 
stuck in the middle where she's Yay. an awesome mom. <laughs> <laughs> she's fantastic. She's absolutely gorgeous. She's Wasn't beautiful. she in your movie too? She's smart. By the way, yes, she was. She was in Broken Memories as well. What? What? I know, but I was super, super lucky that we got her to participate in and take this part of Sarah, who uh, played the daughter of the person who had Alzheimer's, and she was in pretty much denial, and that's how that's how that role played out. Um, right. Serena and Sarah are totally different people, <laughs> but uh, Sarah, as Sarah, the character, she did a fantastic job portraying. She did. What I saw that. It. Yeah, what that is like for that person because that person has its their story too yeah. in that world, and it's like no, somebody's taking advantage, and we have to make sure that it's done a certain way, and it's very black and white to them, and and you know, it, that's that's the truth for that person. Uh, Sarah was not the caregiver um, in the, in our movie in Broken Memories. Um, that was not the role she played. Right. Um, but you know, but Serena. Um, has been touched by Alzheimer's as well. And her uncle had dementia and passed away from that particular uh, situation. And therefore, we've been able to uh, have the opportunity to talk to her Aunt Mary. So um, Mary Vincent um, is gonna be 80 years old pretty soon. And when she was 73, she lost her beloved husband, Donnie Vincent, and uh, they were married for 57 years. I mean, Susie, come Great. on. That's like just that, that in itself. And we're going to get to hear that journey because that she had a journey with that. Um, so let's bring both of them on. It's an honor to, um, to be on the show with you and my beautiful Aunt Mary. So thank you for having us. Um, that was a beautiful introduction. I'm already crying and we haven't started. Um, you mentioned broken memories and I just wanted to say thank you again for casting me in that movie because um, oh. as you said, I played the role of uh, the daughter of Rance Howard who has Alzheimer's and I am, was not the caretaker in the movie and was completely in denial. And um, it was really special to play not just because the cause is near and dear to my heart, but um, I hadn't played a role like that. Like this, I feel like the sibling relationship, the relationship between a brother and a sister um, when you're dealing with your parents is mm. unlike any other relationship out there. And it was really special to, um, to tap into that um, on film. So thank you. Yeah, I had that with my brother too. I had, I have a brother, an older brother and, and it became very contentious. And um, it it broke our relationship. So we are, yeah. Mm, and I became the caregiver and he became in denial, but in a very angry way. Oh, wow. So, you know, it was, it's, and it happens in families all the time because there's just not enough understanding of the disease. There's not. And that's a, one of the reasons why we wanted to have uh, this type of podcast. What I'd really like to do is hear how you and Donnie met. Right. Well, we met when I was just 14 years old. And um, I had just come from a movie with my friends and he and his friend stopped and asked us for a ride if we wanted to ride home, which we, we did. And on the way, 
they invited us to go have a Coke. And I said, well, I have to go home and ask my parents first. And my mother said, no, she didn't know those boys and I could not go. So my friend Carol went with and had the Coke and Johnny and I stood in the yard and talked until my mother made me come in. <laughs> we, we did start seeing each other and yeah, but I wasn't allowed to date, but he would come over and visit and talk to my dad about football. He was, he was a football player. And of course my dad loved it because he had three daughters and so he was like, you know, he was enjoying that very much. And as we saw each other fairly frequently, and Donnie told me one day, he says, you know, you know that guy that used to whistle at you? And I said, yeah. He said, that was me. Huh. You stuck your nose in the air and ignored me. And he, he told me exactly what I was wearing. And he said, he told himself, I'm going to marry her. And then he said to me, well, you are are going to marry me, aren't you? And I said, I can't get married. I'm only 14. And he said, well, I don't mean now. <laughs> that year I was in a uh, freshman in high school and I became a cheerleader. He played football. And then his senior year, we decided to break up because he was going to go away to school. So the senior prom was coming and he didn't mention it. And so a guy asked me and I said, oh, um, no, I declined. And then another guy asked me and I accepted because I thought, well, Donnie must have asked somebody else. So because we weren't going steady at the time. So I accepted this other guy. And then that, that one picture you have where it shows us this is before and this is after. Mm. Well, that was, we were standing there and he came up to me and said, what color is your dress so I can order your corsage? And I said, well, you didn't ask me. And he said, well, do I have to? And oh. I said, yes, because I accepted someone else. Well, just then a friend came by and snapped our picture and we both, neither one are smiling. <laughs> anyway, we ended up, uh, we married right out of high school and um, people did in those days, they married young and we had, we were fortunate we had um, a beautiful um, son. Our firstborn was the son, Bobby. And then our three years later, we had a daughter, Shanna. And then two years later, we had our baby, Jamie. We had a wonderful life. Our son, Bobby, was a really good ball player, and he played first base for a little league team. It was a Sunday afternoon. They were in the playoffs for the championship, and Bobby hit a ball that should have been a home run. He barely made it to second base, and I thought, there's something wrong with my son. Mm -hmm. So the next morning, I took him to the pediatrician, and he said, well, he has a swollen spleen. I'm going to send you for some blood work. We went for the blood work. We came home, and as I opened the door, my phone was ringing and it was a doctor and he said, bring Bobby and meet me at the hospital. Well, I knew it was bad news. So I called Donnie and we took him to the hospital together. He was in the hospital three, four days and uh, the doctor said, we can't do anything for him here. He needs to go to the City of Hope. Our, yeah, City of Hope. How old was Bobby at this time? 10. 10. 10. So um, we were standing at the emergency um, entrance when they arrived and when they took Bobby out, he reached for me and he said, Mom, take me home. I want to go home. And then they wheeled us all. They wheeled him into the uh, leukemia ward and we were behind him. And uh, I saw all those poor, poor children and I thought, oh, my God, not my son. And I was filling out the paperwork and I looked at Donnie and I said, this is a waste of time. He's gone. And Donnie said, no, don't say that. And then the doctor came in and took us to Bobby. I kissed him and he was gone. I knew he wasn't there. And 
So it's the most terrible thing a, a parent could experience. And every morning you wake up and it hits you anew, you know, so it's like going through it. Eventually, you know, you, you learn to live with it and life goes on. My dad was really close with Bobby. So we heard all the stories and it, and like, I mean, forever, as long as I can remember, I, I, I knew this, but I'll tell you, Aunt Mary, now that I have my own son, it feels different. Yeah. You know, it, oftentimes when there's a death of a child, it affects the relationship. It affected all of us in different ways. I threw myself into, uh, I, I was president of my sorority. I did the uh, March of Dimes. I did the muscular dystrophy. I just went, went, went. You know, I was gone, gone, gone. And Donnie just did the same thing only in business. He even started another business. And it affected our relationship. So um, we break up, go back together several times. And finally, I thought, I can't do this to my daughters. I've got to move on. And so we divorced. But we still had a lot of contact because our families were, he loved my parents. I loved his they were all like one big happy family. So we had all these family um, things going on. So we saw each other often. Anyway, a long story short, he dated, I dated. I ended up, uh, I was gonna marry this, well, I did marry another person named Joe. And um, we were married about 11 uh, months and I get a call from Donnie's in the hospital. He said, I've had a slight stroke and I need you. And so I was, got the girls and I was getting ready to go. And Joe said to me, you're my wife now, let the girls go. And I just looked at him and left. Four or five months after that, I divorced Joe. <laughs> so did you just recognize in you then that you were still really in love with Donnie? I knew I was always in love with him. He was my one and only love, yeah. but I thought I need to make it a life. So I tried to move on and it didn't work. <laughs> We ended up going back together and we ended up having a very good life. It was very much better than it had been. And uh, he was a proud man and he was loving, he was generous, and he was also very difficult. So he was a complex person. It's the whole package. It's the whole package. But there's a, but I think a lot of us are that, right? There's all yes. these different facets to right. the different people and the different times and and don't you agree, Susie? Well, I think, like, my dad was a Renaissance man. And I think that, you know, those kind of men are all of that. They are loving and strong and committed and difficult and brilliant. And, you know, they're, they're all that. And my dad was all that. And I still, and I lost my dad when I was 16. So I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. So it was, um, I'm always, I'm always trying to uh, hit the bar. Because his bar was so high. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I realize now there were a lot of things when Donnie was going into the dementia and I was in total denial because he could read, he could uh, add a column. He was very good with figures. He could add a column five wide and five long before you could put it in a computer or the adding machine, whatever. And uh, all of a sudden he'd go get gas and he'd call me and say, what's our zip code? And I used to use him for a, a phone book. I'd say, what's so-and-so's number? Because he had it all, kept it all. And he couldn't even remember. Our, he'd ask me, what's our phone number? You know, but I didn't, I think I didn't want to uh, admit that there was a problem. 
Well, of course. When, when, when did that start? Like, how old was he when you started noticing that? I'd say probably early 60s or maybe mid 60s. Okay. It was about eight years total, you know, uh, a little more counting the time I was in denial. But right. and we'd, we'd go out and he'd hand me the check and say, here, you take care of this. At the time, I didn't think anything of it. But now I later I realized it was because he couldn't have the tip in. Right. It's because he was covering, right? And he's not going, and he's a proud man, and he's certainly not going to tell you he can't do something. Yeah, and he had excellent social skills. Uh, when um, when I really had to face the fact that he had a serious problem, we were in California visiting our daughters, and he came out on a real busy highway. He'd driven all the way down, drove out on a busy highway, and stopped right in the middle. I said, you can't stop. Pull over, pull over. So he pulled over, and I said, what's wrong? He says, I don't know where to go. Was that the time that you went, aha? Uh -huh, yeah, or? I had to, I thought, well, I kind of knew before a little, but. But you didn't want to know. know. I took him to a doctor and she gave him those stupid tests, like what's the draw clock and what's right. the, you know, that's, that tells you nothing unless you're and, already gone. <laughs> and he, and he was fine with all that test. Yeah. So that test he passed, yeah. no problem. There's nothing wrong with him. He's fine. Yeah. And then, um, I took him to several other doctors, uh, neuro doctors, and they gave him drugs and they either made him a zombie or they made him crazy. So I took him off the drugs. Why did they put him on drugs? This is before he was diagnosed? No, he was diagnosed. Oh, by, diagnosed at that point. He was diagnosed then? Then he started having me come into the business with him. He said, I, I need you to come in and help me out. And he'd hand me a contract and he'd say, uh, first time he... He said, uh, read this and give me your take on it. Well, I didn't think anything of it because we shared all that stuff pretty much anyway. But then he started saying, read this contract and tell me what it says. And I thought, hmm. You know, and then I, I was supposed to only work a couple hours uh, a day and I ended up just working full time. And then I discovered all kinds of things where employees had been stealing and all kinds of things. So I put the business up for sale. I thought, you know, this can't happen. And we sold it and he retired. <clears throat> And uh, we were all up in P.O., which, which is where we have the family home. And we had all friends. We were having a good time. And we were all sitting in the kitchen drinking coffee. And he, Donnie comes in. He's standing there. And he had a strange look on his face. And I said, are you all right? And he said, no. I know you're mine, but I don't know what your name is. And oh. I was, oh, my God, he's had a stroke. So, of course, we called the ambulance. They took him to um, by ambulance. To the hospital and um, he, he in, in the interim he'd lost his ability to speak properly he'd leave out adjectives and it was kind of like a pigeon English mm -hmm. if you were mm -hmm. uh, you know I don't know what else to call it and we never left him alone somebody was with him 24 7 and we had just talked to the neuro doctor and she had said neurologist and she said well this is as good as he's gonna get so you need to prepare. And I said, well, I'm sorry, but I don't accept that. He's going to get better. And she said, that's my professional opinion. You know, you do what you have to do. So Jimmy, her, her dad and my daughters and I were standing outside the room discussing what our next step should be. And my girlfriend had stayed in the room with them and she came out and she said, Mary, you gotta come in here. Donnie's talking to Bobby. So we go in. And he's talking normally. And to Bobby. 
ifs. And then he's arguing with God and saying, I don't want to go back. I want to stay with my boy. And then all of a sudden the door bursts open, in come the crash carts, and they shoot us out. And about 10 minutes later, they let us back in and they said, false alarm, he's fine. And I'm thinking when he's talking normally, oh, we've had a miracle, he's been healed. We go back in and he's talking of Jimmy. Ask him, he said, Donnie, when, of course we're all crying. And he said, can you tell us what just happened? And he said, I be died. And I thought, oh no, we didn't have a miracle. He's not healed. And he tried to explain what happened and he was euphoric. He said, I saw my boy and God said, no, you can't stay. You have to go back. And the only thing matters, love, love all matters. And everybody that came in, he told me he loved them. It was mostly all family anyway and friends. But and to the day, until the day he died, if he loved you, he told you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he always said, I love you, right? Well, me, yeah. I mean, I don't remember him telling me he loved me at all growing up. And then after this, he told me he loved me every single time I saw him. And like genuine. Yeah. Genuine. Oh, yeah. It was genuine. It was heartfelt. Did Donnie have a stroke then? Is that what precur was the precursor to, to the, the... Dementia. Okay. Yes. Because that's a different kind of dementia and a different... I mean, that is Alzheimer's, but it's also triggered by that. And that yeah. and, it, and it causes... Which is interesting because, you know... Some, sometimes you don't know where it, it, it emanates from. Exactly. Yeah. It didn't start right away. I mean, he recovered. He got his full speech back. Right. If you met him, and he, like I said, he had such great social skills. You yeah. would never know he'd ever had a stroke or anything. I'm sure you assumed that everything was... I did. In fact, we had a wonderful life after that, still, you know. And... Um, when I took him to UCLA, it was after the driving incident. Um, the doctor had Donnie go in the corner with the speech therapist, and he stayed here with me. And he said, how do you, how do you think he's come back? And I says, oh, over 90%. And he shook his head, no. And he said, I want, I'm going to tell two jokes. I want you to laugh at the first one and not laugh at the second. And then he brought Donnie over. He told the joke. I laughed, Donnie laughed, he told a second joke, I didn't laugh, Donnie didn't laugh. So he said, what he's doing is he's getting his cues from you. Right, he's, wow. he's wow. social skills. Wow. And he was very loving and gregarious, so, you know, it covered up a lot. And very handsome, and handsome very and charming. Yes. Right, all of that. And Serena, I have a question for you. Did you see a huge change? when this occurred? Can you recall this time? Oh, ab Aunt Mary's absolutely. Talking about? My, um, all, my, my uncle Donnie and my dad and all of my uncles, they were all very tough, proud men that um, you, didn't, you didn't mess with them. You don't mess with them. I'll tell you a story real quick. When I was in seventh grade, I had an interview for National Junior Honor Society. And I was in there with the, the dean of the school to be interviewed. And he said, Serena Vincent, Serena Vincent, Serena Vincent, um, any relation to Richie Vincent and Donnie Vincent and Jimmy Vincent? And I said, <laughs> yeah, those are my, those are my uncles. <laughs> it's my dad. And he said, they beat me up in high school. jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I said, actually, my dad actually wasn't part of that because he was younger. And I said, Oh gosh. 
It was probably. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh oh. So they were like, they were fierce. Like you did not mess with them. And they were, they were, they were, um, everybody's friends and super loving, but you don't. They were general. very popular though. Awesome. What'd you say? They were very popular. And very popular. popular. But yeah. you don't mess with them. So, um, so to answer your question, like they, they were just, all strong men and my uncle was a strong proud loving loving man so the change that i saw after i guess was that he like he softened in this way he was always loving and always generous but like softened in this way that every time i saw him he told me he loved me genuinely um that's very common to see you know that that um they're Oh, you're, all the social filters start to fall away when people get vulnerable. And you really see who they are on the inside, and it's beautiful. Like my mom, when she was growing up her as a baby, all through her childhood, everyone on the East Coast, all my aunts and uncles called her Lovey. And I didn't know why she was called Lovey. They all, you know, Lovey. And I know now, because everybody that meets her now, because it's, it's, tell me, it's, oh, Norma's your mom? Oh, my God, we love her. She's yeah. so lovely. She's so loving and she's kissing and telling everybody how much she loves them. So you know that, you know, that's what happens. It's all that stuff starts falling away. It's, and it's kind of beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Then this particular situation happened and, and I'm sure it didn't always feel okay, but you also, I'm sure, felt very lucky because you were together. Yes. Well, so, there were days that I didn't feel so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, the, now we're talking about, you know, that the beginning of the end, right? Um, because he was diagnosed then, and then you had to deal, you, 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 you guys retired, you closed the business, retired. Then what happened? Tell us some of the ways, how did you handle things? Tell us, you were the caregiver. What happened to you during this time, you and him? I'd like to start by saying that the drugs were no good. They were schizophrenic drugs and Anyway, um, my daughter, uh, California had just uh, made cannabis legal and she got a prescription from her doctor and she got these brownies and she brought them up and we gave them half a brownie. And it was, I'm saying this for anybody that's going through this, it just kind of mellowed him out. I mean, cause he was frenetic. He was driving me crazy. He was sawing off limbs in the yard and locking. If I'd go out the yard to water the flowers, he'd lock me out. I had to hide a key. Sometimes he'd get angry, but uh, it, I mean, he'd do crazy things like he'd empty out the closets and scatter the clothes all over the living room. I'd take the garbage cans out. He'd bring them back in before they were emptied. In fact, it was a funny story. My neighbor, three times, I took them out. He brought them back. I took them out. And she called me laughing. She said, what are you going to do? How are you going to get your garbage? And she's cracking up. She thinks it's funny. Um, one time I hear water running, I came in and he's got the hose from outside. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm cleaning the floor for you. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, my mom lived with me for a year and that's, you know, I, I experienced that stage of Alzheimer's. So yeah. where she would walk into my room and everything in my room was hers. Yeah. Oh, there it is. And she'd have her pocketbook and she'd go, ah, thank you. I knew it was missing. And yeah, systematically take everything off my shelf yeah. every day. And yeah. I finally just got her a big purse so she could do it. And I just stopped putting it back because it was hers in well, her mind. 
Yeah, he threw things yeah. away. He threw my keys away. I never did find them. And yeah. somebody come over to visit, they'd lay their keys down. He used to wear those sweatshirts with that thing in the middle, you know, in the front. Pockets. Yeah. Every Donnie's brother Richie, his wallet went missing. You know, yeah. I mean, and I it was it was in the pocket. Oh yeah, yeah. My daughter, everything was out of her room. She'd go, Nana, did you see my earrings? What are you asking me? Would I? Why would I take your earrings? Sure enough, they're in her purse. Got <laughs> <laughs> in his pocket, and he'd wear two sets of clothes. It was 110 degrees, and he had on two sets of clothes, and he'd put on a baseball cap and then a hoodie up over it, and then try to go to bed. I'd have to throw the covers off, and he'd fight me. I'd pull his shoes off and yank his clothes off and then shove him back down. He'd say, why are you being mean to me? And I said, you can't sleep with two sets of clothes and your shoes and two hats on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, long story short, my daughter brought those brownies and it kind of leveled out. He still did crazy stuff. And I still never had a good night's sleep because I was always reaching over to make sure he was in bed, yeah. still in bed. And one time having my, my driveway painted and he goes out and he's trying to tell the guys how to do their job. And so I brought him back in and he disappeared again. I went out and I said, did my husband come out here? He says, yeah, he went that way. So I get in the car, I go looking for him. I finally find him just hard hightailing it down the road. And I roll down the window and I said, hey, handsome, you want to ride? And he turns and looks at me and then he recognized me and he got in the car. But I have a lot of funny, and that, those are the things I remember, not the horrible things like fighting him to get in the shower and one time he knocked me down not on purpose he was just trying to get in the shower he was terrified he who took two showers a day was very that idiot was terrified of the shower he oh, said really you're gonna kill me well i went to the cleveland clinic and they had these meetings once a month and everybody would sit around they were all caretakers and they tell stories different stories and er, almost every single one of them had that, they were afraid of the water, they were afraid of the shower. And a lot of them had terrible stories. One, one lady, um, one guy, his wife took a knife and tried to kill him. I mean, they, they had terrible things to deal with. I was fortunate, Donnie was very loving and, and I'm sure the cannabis, the brownies helped a lot. But. <laughs> well, you know, that's, you were ahead of your time on that. Thank God for your daughter to, to make that happen for you. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I that, that was super smart because basically what that did is it, 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 it mellowed him out, but it didn't make him psychotic. Yes. Right. So and it didn't, it didn't make him psychotic. It didn't. And then it didn't make him a zombie, Yeah. but it also took that, ed, that edge off. Yes. For him. We would take him out to lunch, for example, one time. He'd lost, had no, absolutely no filter at all. Yeah. And we're sitting there having lunch, and this guy, this huge man, came in, sat down in front of us, and he, he said, whoa, look at that fat bastard. Oh, God. I'm like this, you know. That sounds so much like my mom. My mom was, we were interviewing caregivers to come in, and my mom, one of them came in, and she goes, look at that on that one and I'm like mom she can hear you I'm just saying yeah. well, did, I, you hire, did you hire her well <laughs> no and what my mom was so funny she goes oh no not that one uh-uh oh I did hire this one lady I, I got to a point where I was felt I was near a nervous breakdown I knew I needed help yeah. And my daughters tried. They both had children and careers, and they would come up on the weekends and try to help me out, but I needed more help than that. 
Yeah, it's 24-7. You were on, and you weren't resting. So you yeah. weren't really getting and any rest for yourself. It took him to the grocery store. He'd pile things in the cart. I'd have to take them out. While I was paying, he'd take off, and I'd have to go find him. It was just awful. Yeah. So anyway, um, I, I heard about this lady, and I she was a professional, and I hired her. She came over for lunch, and we had lunch together, and I hired her, and she left. And the next day, I said to Donnie, I'm going to – I said, remember that lady that came for lunch? And he says, yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to go to the store. She's going to come and keep you company while I go. He said, if she comes, I'm leaving. And I knew he would, so I called and canceled. And a couple of days later, Donnie's sister came over and stayed with him while I went to this um, um, library uh, dedication thing. And I ran into a friend I hadn't seen in a long time, and I asked her how she was, and she says, well, not too good. I lost my husband three months ago. And she told me how, and she said, how? what's going on in your life? And I told her about Donnie and she says, I have just the person for you. He, my husband loved him. He's loving, he's warm, he's kind, and he has nursing um, background. So I, I took him to lunch and I hired him. And he was coming over the next day and just before he got to the house, my friend called, she says, Mary, act like this is an old friend of Donnie's, so he won't know it's a caretaker. He'll think it's his friend. And just then my doorbell rings. I go to the door and it's Virgil. And I said, well, Virgil, how nice of you to come and visit after all these years. It's so good to see you. Come on in. Donnie will be so happy to see you. Well, he picked right up on it. He came in. He said, well, hi, Don. How are you doing? Gosh, I haven't seen you in forever. How are you? Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. And Perfect. He said, he says, you remember me, don't you? And he said, nope. And so Virgil sat down and started talking to him. And pretty soon Virgil says, hey, Don, I feel like going for a ride. Do you want to go for a ride with me? He says, yeah, sounds good. So two hours they were gone. I was like, oh, my God, I got all this stuff done. I was, I was thrilled. <laughs> he was wonderful. And, he, and Donnie couldn't remember his name. He called him him. And on the days him didn't come, Donnie would say, well, where's him? Isn't he coming today? You know, so he just became part of our family. He was wonderful. And I, I hope that anyone going through this could get a, a helper like he was. He Everybody was. needs a him. Oh, <laughs> Everybody needs a him. him yeah. Everyone. And, and you know what's beautiful is I really love um, remember in our movie, Broken Memories, uh, Serena, that, that like hit the caregiver for uh, the Rance Howard's character um, Jasper, she went along with whatever he was doing yeah. and it yeah. was, and it made it easier rather than trying to fit them into our reality. They're in their own world and it's not part of our reality anymore. And he had this thing where, um, his reflection in the mirror was his friend. And I tried at first, I tried to convince him. I'd point to me and I'd say, who's that? And he'd say, well, that's you. And I said, well, who's that? And he said, that's my friend. So every morning I would have to say hello to his friend. And wow, we had a dog and he loved the dog. He called the dog, the baby, and he would carry the dog around all the time. And one morning we're in the bathroom, I'm getting him cleaned up and he hands the baby to the man in the mirror. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. He really had that much of a disconnect on that, that he thought that that was his friend. How fascinating. Yeah, and one time I was getting out of the shower and he came in and he says, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know who he thought I was, sure. but I wasn't his wife at that time. But then 
over time, he'd have lucid moments. And he would yes. say, he, like one time he said to me, Mary, what have I done to you? What have I done to oh, you? Because he knew. And then no. we're talking about babies and we get to see Serena's baby. Yes. Our, our Hi, little... baby. Hi, Aunt Mary. Hi, honey. Can you blow kisses? Hi, sweetheart. Blow Aunt Mary kisses. Gosh, he's getting so big, Serena. I know. He's giant. Yeah. He's gorgeous. I have a, a couple of stories I'd like to share about Don. I, I think they're funny, you know, and it, it kind of kept things from me from going crazy. <laughs> but one of them was, um, well, I started taking him to lunch at two o'clock because the lunch crowd was gone and the dinner crowd wasn't there yet. So this day I take him to his favorite Mexican restaurant and he had to go to the bathroom. So I just took, we were the only ones there. So I took him in the ladies room and he looks in the mirror and he says, hey, I didn't see you come in. He says, I have a shirt exactly like that one. And another time, um, I'm on the computer. Every time I'm on the computer, he, he doesn't, he, he wants my attention. He does not want me on the computer. He keeps bugging me. And I said, just leave me alone for five minutes and let me pay these bills. And then, you know, and he says, you know, I had this girl and she was young and she was beautiful and she was mine. And I said, I'm happy for you, honey. And I continued typing. So I have this chest with pictures in it and he's going through them and I'm thinking, oh good, that'll keep him occupied for a while. Well, he comes out with this picture and it's a picture of his brother's wedding and he points to this girl and it's me when I was about 20 and he said, see her, she was mine. And I said, well, that's me. And he says, oh no, it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My God, I just got a kick out of that. I cracked up. I thought it was really funny. That's amazing. I love this. And I want to just point this out. Your, your sense ability and the way you t are taking things made it work out better for you, made that story not become a problem because, you know, somebody could have like said, that's me, no, and try to convince, right? And you just, you just rolled with it and let it be and you, and you allowed it to be funny for you yeah. rather than hurt you. Yeah. Rather than like hurt you or be destroyed by it or like feel that sense of loss, you know, you found the humor, you found that, I, I commend you. That was a learning curve, I would imagine, right? Oh, yes. Yes. And another thing I wanted to share is for other people, music helped too. I turn on the music and we used to go dancing when we were younger. And if it was a song that was... Uh, one of our songs he would say sing to me and i would sing to him so when we would dance here he'd say sing to me you know even sometimes when we were in the car he'd say sing to me and i had this little thing i used to i love you honey i love your money i love your fancy automobile he would crack up laughing <laughs> he thought that was the funniest thing and i don't know it just those were the times that you got to be with him yes and, right. you know, we had, you know, we'd watch television and I have arthritis and he would, he would rub my feet and then he'd hold my feet in his hands and the, his warmth, it felt good. You know, I miss those times. Oh. Yeah. I want, I miss those times too for you because <laughs> those are, those are good times. Those are those moments. And those are the moments that you cherish that we all cherish. Right. That's, and yeah. they are so simple. Just, uh, I, I mean, I, you know, the hand holding, the, yeah. the hug, the the kiss on the cheek, yeah. um, you know those type of things. It's hard now with the co with COVID because 
you can't you don't get that, that with your mom. I'm like, sorry for people that are going through this now. Yeah. Isn't that rough? I had a Zoom with my mom and it's really hard. I got to where I couldn't take Donnie out anymore. So I had people come in, friends and family. And, you know, he loved it. He was happy when everybody was here. Mm -hmm. Because one time we were coming out of a restaurant and this girl that kind of looked like my youngest daughter, Jamie, tall and long blonde hair. And he grabbed her by the arm and he said, are you my Jamie? And it scared her frightened her and my sister said no no he has he has dementia honey and you yeah. look like his daughter you know but things like that just kept happening uh, he, he loved babies and he'd see a baby and he'd grab her hand and kiss it and the mothers would be horrified you know right. so uh, um we just quit going out you know yeah. well so, once in a while we'd go but now virgil took him out it was it was a chore but he did but he was equipped for that Yes, he was. he was. He was equipped for that, and he could handle um, his weight. Yes. Right? Because well, you're probably much smaller than, than Donnie was. So, like... Well, it took both of us to get him in the shower. Oh, really? Oh, so really yeah. to the end, he was very afraid of the shower still. Yeah. Could not... What I, do you think that is? I don't know. I had bruises on my arms, the thumb here and four fingers on each arm from him holding on to me and so afraid there did come a time though when it started affecting him physically and uh, he kept falling all the time and it, the first time he fell I had him put his feet up against mine and, and we rocked back and forth until I rocked him up but that happened one time after that he kept falling and I couldn't get him up and he he would just let his legs go limp so I had to keep calling the paramedics and one day he fell about four times in one day and I said, just take him to the hospital because I knew things were just getting, you know, really bad. And um, he was in the hospital maybe five days and he started, um, one time I, I was sitting there and I saw tears coming down his cheek and I said to the male nurse was standing there and I said, he's in pain. I said, give him something. And he looked at me and he said, Mrs. Vincent, he's not in pain. He said, before you came in, he pointed up to the corner and he said, who are those people? Why are they up there? I think he was trying to tell me that family were coming to get him or something. I don't, of course, I, I was so upset. I, I was not, nothing was registering. I was taking him home. I'd planned, made plans for them to bring a, a a hospital bed in the living room and the girls called and said well we'll be right there and I said wait until I bring him home because you'll just be stuck here in this room and I'd rather have you well he never came home and about oh, about the fifth day I went and they had him in intensive care and he was starting to shut down if he ate anything he threw up and and uh, the doctor was there and he said uh, does he have uh, what do they call them? Uh, the directives. Directives, yeah. I said, we both um, filled those out when we did our trust. So yes, he has one. And uh, then the nurse that had admitted him was a young female nurse. She came in and she said, um, you know, I can reverse this. We can put in a feeding tube. We can put him on a respirator. And, you know, and I'm thinking he would not want this. And I said, I don't think we're going to do that. And she says, well, I'm going to put in orders to have this done. He doesn't have to die. And he left. And Jamie, my youngest daughter, walked out after her. And I don't know what she said to her, but she changed her mind. <laughs> and he, he was not put on a respirator or a feeding tube. And um, he just went in, he, 
he looked, he had a tear rolling down his cheek and he looked at me and he said, I love you. And he closed his eyes and he never, he went into a coma. I mean, he didn't die. And we took him to hospice and he was there about five days before he passed. And um, it's a strange thing because after he died, you'd think I would have been relieved, but I was angry. I was so angry. We had plans to do more traveling. I wanted to grow old with him. You know, I was really angry and I didn't realize it. Um, Serena's dad and I went to have sushi. And uh, <clears throat> I was driving and I, as I pulled out of the parking lot, there was a lady in front of me and she wasn't going fast enough. And I said, ah, stupid, oh, <laughs> lady, <laughs> go, you know. And Jimmy looked at me and he said, Mary, that's not like you. What's wrong with you? And I thought, yeah, what's wrong with me? Because I was mean and I'd be driving and I'd be swearing at people that cut me off or didn't let me in when I wanted to. And I thought, oh man, so I need to do some work on myself. So I did and I, I kind of got over that. I had to apologize to all my friends, one in particular. And um, anyway, it was, it was a tough, it was a tough time. I, I think it's a coping mechanism because when Bobby died, I yelled at the doctor and I said, don't just stand there, do something. You know, of course, she just looked at me with this sad look, you know. Um, yeah, you, it's a coping mechanism. I, I've realized that now. Sure, of course, because you're crushed. You're yeah. hurt. And uh, I just, I love how uh, intuitive you are and um, how open you are to having the experiences and sharing with our, with our audience and, um, and being just really vulnerable to say what the truth is mm -hmm. and what everything looks like in life. I mean, thank you for uh, the journey that you've taken us on today. I have a, a few little poems that I'd like to share, if you don't mind. <gasps> We'd love it. Yeah. This is um, Ode to Dying. And it's, um, let's try and catch the wind, just we two, hand in hand. Where'er we go, we will not say it matters not, only that we're together. Somewhere in forever, we will dance again, and you will say, sing to me, as you once did. And this is, um, I wrote this after I had a dream about him, and he was angry in the dream. And it said, <clears throat> have you come to me? Have you come to me in a dream? Is it you? I feel your presence, I pray it's true. I kiss those wild eyes until anger dissipates and then, and then we begin again. My heart aches for what may have been. I will wait forever to hold you again, my love. And this is my Donnie. In the morning when I wake, my first thoughts are of you. You are in my mind, my heart, and my psyche. I fear I will never again hear your voice nor you mine. You are part of me and always will be. There is no other. And this is after he's gone. As the dawn breaks and I awake, I turn to you, but you're not there. In my mind, I touch each cheek with my lips, then your forehead. I feel you. I smell your scent, but only in my mind. And that's it. And that's it. It's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And that is uh, beautiful, touching, moving. Did you hear those poems before, Serena? 
I did, and I cried. So I was prepared. I, I, I could have not, yeah, could have been more prepared emotionally, but I'm not. <laughs> well, I, I read them to her because um, I'm not a poet, and I just wanted to know. Yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. You're a storyteller. You're a poet. Um, you're a beautiful woman. I think your story will, will touch so many people that have been through this. There's comfort in hearing other stories that are like yours. So you know that we're not alone and that we're all holding hands during this really hard time, you know? I do have one thing I'd like to share, if you don't mind. Um, I wanna tell anyone going through this that if you lose your temper, if you're short, don't be mad at yourself. You're just human. This is a very difficult thing you're going through. It's the most, the hardest thing you'll probably ever go through. And I know two couples where the caretaker died before the spouse did because of the, so get help. That's right. You can't do it alone. That's 100% true. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the very, that's, that's, that's the, the whole, she's the real deal. Well, yeah. that's the whole crux of what we let, want to talk about is to protect the caregivers because exactly we don't, you know, and especially when you love someone dearly, you, but you have to realize, like my mom said to me at one point, you have to live your life. You need to put me in a home. Oh, did she really? Yeah. And I said, oh, you're going. <laughs> I, I, Donnie never got to where he, he said, I don't, I don't think he was even aware of that. He just, by the time I accepted that he was actually yeah. in the throes of dementia, it, I couldn't, I didn't want to do it. But I didn't want to do it either. But my mother, my mother had those lapses, you know, of or those those gifts of, of lucidity where she would just yeah. look at me and go. Yeah. It's like when somebody said, What have I done to you? You know, it's exactly. of course. And they know there are those moments and it's very difficult for them. And that's a gift for him to have said that to you. And that was a gift for my mom to say to me, because she knows how dedicated I am to her. And and you know, I think that those are really important things to share with with audience people that don't know and don't have anyone else to share those stories with yes because we can feel guilty and we can feel like we're not doing enough i would beat myself up all the time oh why did you do that why don't you know he can't help it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um serena mary beautiful love story thank you for sharing your story with us thank you for thank involving you. us with your family um, Susie, of course, I always thank you um, uh, being the greatest partner ever and allowing um, this to unfold as it did and take and for Mary to be and, and Serena to be able to take us on this journey of of uh, for Uncle Donnie. This is about yeah. Donnie. Love you, Uncle Donnie. Thank you to both of you, Susie. Love to your mama. And thank you. I just want to tell these two beautiful ladies how much I have enjoyed meeting them. And Aww. I get to meet you in person one day. Oh, that would be lovely. Thank you. And we, and it was a pleasure to meet both of you. Thank you. I've seen Serena on the movie, and um, but it's nice to, to get to know you yes, a little indeed. bit. Yeah. I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Serena. Say thank you, Mary. Thank you, of course, Susie. Thank you to all of our listeners. And please, uh, you know, if you uh, like us, subscribe and uh, share. Share, share, share. Care and we just thank you so very much and remember love is powerful love is contagious and love conquers all yes it does and thank you very much thank you bye everybody bye bye, bye. bye.